And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Big Football Show, the Athletics Daily Big Ten Football Podcast. This is Bill Landis. I cover Ohio State. And normally on Tuesdays, I take a spin around the Big Ten East with our Penn State beat writer, Audrey Slater. Audrey is on vacation this week, but we want to bring you guys a show anyway. So what we're going to do is discuss the playoff kind of in a different format. Uh, as I said, we, we talk about the Big Ten East here on Tuesdays on the Big Football Show. So you have Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl against Clemson on January 1st, January 2nd. You have Indiana in the Outback Bowl against Ole Miss. Those are the only two Big Ten East teams left uh, playing alive. Northwestern is also in a bowl game, as is uh, Wisconsin. And you heard Scott Docterman and Mitch Sherman talk a little bit about that last week. We want to focus on the playoff in this episode, and without Audrey... Uh, we figured we would play you guys a snippet of our Ohio State podcast. It's called 4 to 6 with A&B. It's hosted by myself and Ari Wasserman, our national recruiting writer, who you also hear on the Big Football Show on Fridays, giving picks with Jesse Temple. Ari's a former Ohio State beat writer as well, if you didn't already know that. So if you are not a normal listener to 4 to 6 with A&B, what follows here will be a snippet of, of our earlier show this week where Ari and I dive in on some big questions we have about the Buckeyes heading into the Sugar Bowl against Clemson on January 1st. So enjoy listening to that. Both of us brought questions to the table about this game. Uh, I've got like three-ish, four-ish, and I might tack on another one here as the conversation goes. How many did you come with? You told me to do five, so I did five. I said three to five. I said three okay. to five. All right, well, I have five. Five. Is five is great. Five is great. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's... Uh, Oh, wait, i got to tell people to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Got a big old film study coming later this week. You can read that. Uh, Grace Rayner on Clemson. Pete Sampson on Notre Dame. Aaron Settles on Alabama. We got it all covered. Theathletic.com slash 4-6. Get you signed up. What's your first question? Oh, let me open it up here. Okay, number one, can Justin Fields be the best version of himself? And I wonder if we're going to be this, if we're going to have the same questions because some of these were just obvious, but as they pertain to the most um, – interesting dynamic of how this play is going to this game is going to turn out like the answer to this question is going to determine whether Ohio State has a chance to win or not and absolutely you know we are one podcast removed from somebody asking us if Justin Fields was broken um his two worst games this year were the two most important games and it begs the question can Justin Fields come out uh in an indoor stadium on turf hopefully for his sake healthy from his little wrist uh injury that he suffered in the Northwestern game and come out and play the best version of himself. And I'm wondering, um, I think that's the number one question of the game, really. Yeah, I I had that just worded a little differently. I just had worded like, where is Justin Fields' head at at the moment? Because I think in those two games that we're talking about, it's so weird. Like the Indiana game and Northwestern game sandwiched around the Michigan State game where I thought he was great. Um it's a little puzzling for me why why he forced the issue the way he tried to do and, and 
maybe more so in the Indiana game, but I thought he did a little bit against Northwestern too. But for a guy who looked like super calm all the time, and that's one of his best qualities, um, he looked very much not that against Indiana and against Northwestern. And this is a huge stage. This is a much bigger stage than either one of those games. So I don't know. Like, is is that feeling of I got to do everything? I got to do everything. I got to I got to force this. I got to make every single play. Like, is that going to hinder him again against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl? Because if it does, I, I mean, it's going to be I mean, borderline impossible. I think for Ohio State to win this game. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's like, is it a mental thing? Is it a, a health thing? Is it? having everybody healthy is it a Chris Olave thing is everybody going to be back thing um is it a play calling thing or is it just him not playing well and I think it's kind of a um mixture of all of that and you know in a world where Ohio State has uh to try to win a football game against Clemson all of those things have to be improved you need Olave back you need the play calling to be on par you need a, a positive running game all the things that could possibly go wrong have to be right in order to beat Clemson and the same goes for them too you know they're they're playing in a game where uh, things have to go right but their their guy is Trevor Lawrence and one of the last questions I've been on the Clemson podcast this week is is Trevor Lawrence going to be good and I don't know what that says about Justin Fields because so so far um, at least through the first few months of the season or the first few weeks at least I thought that like Justin Fields was invincible invisible invincible invincible I made that mistake on Andy's show, too. I said invisible instead of invincible. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know what the problem is. I, I don't know why we're at that position where Ohio State has achieved a playoff berth, is about to play Clemson the way that everybody already knew they were going to before the season started. And it's yeah. just like the major question is, can Justin Fields play well? I will say, um, like, I know we're, we're feeling a little uneasy about that. Certainly Ohio State fans are feeling a little uneasy about that. Like, I, if you are – and I'm sure you are if you're listening to this, like go back and watch last year's game. I know it's hard to watch last year's game. Maybe just watch some of Justin Fields play and don't watch all the bad parts that make you sad. He played really well, I thought, against Clemson, especially considering that he was injured. And he looked pretty decisive, I thought. Like one one of his first completions was um, Clemson like kind of spun into a different coverage. He dropped back. He looked to his right. Both guys recovered. He came back to the middle and he threw a bullet over the middle of the field to Luke Farrell. And it was like that, 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 that's what it is. Like that, like he can do it. So I'm not sitting here thinking that he's not going to be able to do it against Clemson. And I do think on some level, um, I was, I, Andy Staples did a, a preview podcast with all of us team writers. And, and the thing I said on there, and I might've said it on this podcast too, is that I think on some level, the, the, pressure of we only have eight games we need to impress everybody we only have eight games i gotta play like a madman to win the heisman trophy like it's all gone now and i like i don't know if that was in justin field's head but it would make sense to me if it was on some level and if that's gone now and he can kind of clear that from his mind and just sort of be himself and play and and be kind of the calm cool and collected guy that we saw i know michigan state's not very good but but like he put the team on his back he didn't do anything extra he did what was ex- what was asked of him, and Ohio State won fifty-two to twelve. And I think if he can find like channel that guy a little bit, Ohio State's going to be in a really good spot. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I I think it's crazy. But do you think he can get there? Do you like? Yeah. What's your confidence level? I mean, I've seen him do it. There? So why yeah. would I? Why I don't know that. Um, I don't think that he'd be able to. I don't know. The thing about it is, is what do you think is the reason for the struggles? Do you think it's a combination of all those things? Is there a specific thing in that dynamic that makes you think this guy is in trouble um, or this guy is having trouble because of this? Or is it a combination of all those things? 
uh, I think it's a combination of all those things. Um, I do think like I had a, I had like an add on. Well, the reason I said I had four ish questions was where's Justin Fields head at, and then I tacked onto that like how can Ryan Day help him? And I I, I do think some of it's play calling. Um, although it's kind of a weird thing. Like when you watch a game live, you're like you're pulling your hair, going like what are they doing? And then you watch it on a replay, and you're in a different frame of mind. You're like okay, some of this makes sense. Like I thought. Some of the things we said coming out of the Northwestern game in terms of being too aggressive throwing the ball, I feel a little differently about having rewatched it again. But I still think the point remains that Ryan Day can do a little more to help Justin Fields. And there, like, there's a, a million things that go into that, and I'm hoping to ask Ryan Day about some of that um, later on Monday when he has his media availability. But it's quicker passing game. Um, I think it's more tempo. It's less like check-with-me stuff when – Justin Fields is looking to the sideline, and Ryan Day is giving him a play, and then the defense is changing their call. Then, like, you're never sort of on on sync. And and Justin struggles a lot, I think, when he just relies too heavily on what he sees before the snap, and when it changes after the snap, he he gets hesitant. Um, so anything you can do to help him in those moments, because Clemson's going to do a lot of the same stuff, I, I think can can help get him out of this this mode where he's just holding onto the ball too long and, and can't figure out what to do with it. But I also think getting Chris Olave back helps that too, and. Gene Smith tweeted out a photo from practice on Sunday, and if you zoomed in real tight, you could see Chris Olave on there. Um, so it seems like he's at the very least back at practice, and if he's back at practice, I would I would assume that means he's going to play uh, in the Sugar Bowl. The other guys who are out, I'm not sure, but Chris Olave getting back would be huge for Justin Fields' confidence. He's, he's just a safety valve. like You know that he's going to run the right route for the most part. Um, I know saying that going into this game is, is a little hypocritical, but... Um, we know what Chris Olave is, and, and I think not having him against Northwestern threw Justin Fields off his game a little bit. So combine all those things together, I, th- I think Justin can be in a better headspace against Clemson, um, and he needs to be. Like in, This needs to be the best game he's ever played. It needs to be the best game Ryan Day's ever called. Um, I think both of them are capable of getting there, but they need to show themselves to be a little more put together than they were in, in the two toughest games Ohio State played this year. Yeah, I mean, two, two sc- I mean they're a two-score underdog right now. And I don't know if that has been the case ever in the last five, six years. Mm. I can't remember the last time. Somebody probably knows this off the top of their head, but I can't remember the last time. I mean, they've only been an underdog probably five times in the last seven years. But They were uh, in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. I think they were like an 11-point underdog. Yeah. But that might be – that might. I don't even know how often they've been an underdog since then. Maybe – I mean, I think last year there was – They like were an underdog point. against Clemson, weren't they? But it was like a point last year, I yeah. think. Yeah, 2016. I'm looking to see what that's where it was. Um. Yeah, and also the Notre Dame, I don't know what it opened at, but I just saw it's 20, and that's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. Ohio and State I wouldn't a, touch it. Ohio State was a favorite in 2016. Um, Three-point favorite they opened and then lost the – was it 31-0? Yeah. You got yeah. the score. Yeah. <laughs> I get confused if it was 31 or 36. That's a game I've not gone back and watched multiple times. Yeah. What's what's the point? Uh, okay. Uh, let's move on to another question. I'll I'll pull one out of mine here. Out of the hat. Um, pull one uh, out yeah. of the hat. And I'm sure you have somewhat something along these lines too, if not worded exactly the same way. Was what we saw from Trey Sermon in the run game real? My number two is who is the real Trey Sermon because I like Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> well, the real Trey Sermon, please stand up. <laughs> that was a head, that was a headline uh, for a story I wrote over the I weekend know. about the real Trey Sermon. The Maybe that's why that was in my head. Six. Go read the story. Um, I think there's I probably some middle ground between 335 yards and 40. Right. Um, but I think that if he's a 125 yard or maybe a 140 yard back who turns, I don't need to see a home run. And I know that I've been somebody what? who. What? <laughs> I 
don't need to see him hit an 80-yard run in order. It would be terrible if he broke the <laughs> the plane and he, everybody was behind him and he got caught like we've yeah. seen in the past. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't need to see him run through a hole like 85 yards through the heart of the South for me to think that he's having an effective game. If, if you said, Landis, you can – if you let me ask you this question this way. It's a podcast. We're having fun. Let's do it. If I said, Landis, you can have an 85-yard – touchdown run from Trey Sermon where he runs up the middle of the field and doesn't get touched by anybody and outlasts the entire defense or you can have the Trey Sermon that can consistently turn two yard gains into six and a half yard gains which one would you take going into the game second if you're the head coach of Ohio State second guy all day all day right yeah and that's my point obviously 85 yards would be great (laughs) 85 yard (laughs) touchdown yeah of course those are good for the team that you want you know yeah but I think that we haven't seen Trey Sermon, and maybe we got some glimpses of it a little bit in earlier games sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the Trey Sermon that we watched finish runs, the guy that refused to go down, the guy that turned two yards into seven yards, that guy in the Northwestern game was brand new to me. And I yep. don't know, Northwestern supposedly has a very good defense, and he did that against a very good defense. Now, I don't think Northwestern's defense can hold a candle to Clemson's defense. It's cool statistically, but it ain't Clemson. If we can get that guy, and that's the person that shows up for Ohio State, I think Ohio State has a chance to win the football game. But I don't know how realistic it is for me to think that he could even duplicate 65% of that again because I'm not, I wasn't sure he was able to do it the first time. So to go out and do it against Clemson now, it's just like, that's a bonus. That can't be an expectation. I've been, I, I've been screaming all year, Ohio State's going to lose in the playoff because they don't have a running back. And, like, that might happen still. I don't think that we're – that we're at a place right now where we could say that Ohio State's out of the woods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. I think um, Northwestern was inviting Ohio State to run the ball, and Ohio State ran the ball. Um, I, I don't. Clemson is not going to invite Ohio State to run the ball. Clemson's defensive line is is much better than Northwestern's, and it's kind of funny, like watching watching these games over the last couple of days of Clemson. Um. Notre Dame ran the ball on them the first time, but like they're missing Tyler Davis, their defensive tackle, and they're missing James Skowski, their linebacker. When those two are back, their run defense is very different. But when you watch their line play, like these guys just flash. Like Tyler Davis flashes, and Brian Brzee flashes, and Miles Murphy flashes, and like Tyler Davis was, I think, like a four-star guy. But it's like we've talked about this before: how Clemson, Clemson has been a national title contender for the last four or five years, but they've only started recruiting like one in the last two years. And like some of these five star guys are showing up now, 
Um, and a lot of them are really young, like Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee are, are true freshmen, and like they're all over the place when you watch watch Clemson's tape. So it's a much much stiffer challenge for Ohio State's offensive line to move these guys in the same way they were moving Northwestern's guys. And I don't think three thirty one is real because three thirty one is like never real for anybody, at least consistently. But I do think a run game that's getting what you're talking about, getting four, five, six yards a chunk. And, and maybe most importantly, like setting up Ohio State's play-action passing game in a, in a way that's really effective because I feel like that's suffered a little bit the last two or three games, and, and part of that I think is personnel losses. But when I've watched Notre Dame <clears throat> against Clemson, Boston College against Clemson earlier this year, I thought play-action passing game was really effective because Clemson's really aggressive triggering downhill against the run, and you can get some favorable matchups on, on safeties. Um, down the field with guys like Garrett Wilson and and your tight ends. So I think Trey Sermon in this run game is is important because I, I don't think Ohio State's, I don't think, just going to be able to like spread it out four wide and drop back Justin Fields and chuck it all over the field. I just, I just don't think that happens in this game. But I do think if you can run the ball effectively and build a play-action passing game that at times this year has looked deadly off of that, I think that's the recipe for Ohio State to put some points up on Clemson. So that like... Justin Fields is the most important guy, but whatever this run game does is, is is number two behind that, I think. And I do think that it's I think it's legitimate. I don't I'm not expecting to Trey Sermon to go out and be like Zeke Elliott was in the playoff, but I think Trey Sermon might be able to go for like I don't know, one fifty, average four, five, six yards a carry. What's um, the over under you're setting for him? Rushing yards. Uh Dobbins had like one seventy last year, but like half of that was on two runs. Didn't he like have over 120 yards in the first quarter last year? Yeah, but he had I think he had two 60 yard runs, and then yeah. and then he only, I think he only had one other run for double digit yards. He was actually it was kind of a weird game for him. Um, I think Trey Sermon's game will look different. My over under would be like yeah like one one forty maybe for him. Under. You think he's under one forty? Yes. And I think he can have a tremendous game under one forty. Yeah. There's no way. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know unless he breaks off a 70 yard run, he ain't getting to one forty. Yeah, I mean, three hundred and fifty yards rushing the entire year going into the last game. Like, yeah, he had a hundred yards. He had a hundred yards against Michigan State. um, One really long run. I mean, one forty against Clemson is a tremendous game. Yeah, like Kyron Williams had one twenty three in the first uh, Notre Dame game. I think that might have been the most they gave up all year. Clemson's run defense is 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 pretty good. Um, It's not. I don't know if it's the best Ohio State's played, but it's pretty good. 140 to be a lot. I think I, I agree with that. If he's over 140, that, I think that's then, a little bit high for the over under number. I'm not saying he can't do it, but like if you're trying to create something that would make me think about taking it over, I think you're probably 25 or 30 yards off. Like I think I might like put it at like 104 or something. Hmm. Yeah, 104 seems low to me. Yeah. Then maybe the real answer is somewhere in the one one fifteen to one. I guess it depends on how many like how, how it's, I guess it depends on how many carries you think he's going to get. How much do you think Master Teague is going to play? And how much do you think that his ball carrying totals were impacted by Master Teague getting injured? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I know. think significant. I think he had twenty nine carries in that game because Master Teague was injured. But like, no offense to Master Teague. Like Trey Sermon was doing stuff that Master Teague hasn't done all year, so yeah. <laughs> I think Trey Sermon should get twenty carries in this game at least. I'm going to see right now while you're talking whether or not there's props out there. Oh, prop bets for uh, for yeah. Trey Sermon. Yeah, I just want to see what it is. Yeah, 
because um, my it's funny to me that you think 140 is high because like in my head that seemed pretty fair but now you have me second guessing like 104 to me seems low um, especially if he's going to get a 20 carry like if he's getting 20 carries I think 104 is very low if he has 20 carries that means he's averaging five point something yards a carry at 104 yeah I mean that's no, a I, tremendous yeah, no. football game <laughs> no I, I think that's I think 104 is an okay football game I wouldn't say that's a tremendous football game yeah yeah, I mean, against I think it in also the depends on who they're playing. And what, yeah, what, and, yeah, and I think it's like in my, in my head, it's, it's the two two into seven yard gain carries, not like chunk plays. If it's five yards every time, then that's a good game. If it's like one yard, two yards, three yards, twelve yards, two yards, three yards, eleven, like that, that's the kind of game I think you want to avoid. Yeah, one uh, yard, two yard, three yard, seventeen yard, one yard, two yard, three yard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Clemson. I have this written here. Clemson is 11th in the country in stuff rate, runs it behind the line of scrimmage. Ohio State's fifth in the country in stuff rate. Um, so they're pretty good at getting their they're getting their guy to the line of scrimmage, at least. Um, Ohio State's number two in the country in line yards. Like they're, It's kind of weird for as much as we've talked about this run game all year. Like It ended up being pretty good, and they got a huge stat boost from that Northwestern game. But even leading into that, it was pretty good. They were the leading rushing team among Power 5 programs coming into the Northwestern game in yards per game. So, like, it's been a strength for them that they haven't really relied on in a significant way until Northwestern. And I think maybe they might rely on it against Clemson. I think they might have to. Yeah, yeah. And it's like maybe as we all got so enamored with how great Ohio State was at passing the football – um, maybe their true identity to winning this football game is the same as the identity that it took for them to win a national championship six years ago, and that's running the football. Yeah. And I don't know, do we do, – I think that kind of bleeds into my next question if you want me to transition to it. Let's do it. Will Ryan Day's uh, game that he calls help us erase the Northwestern game from our brains? Like, will he call a good enough game – or a great game that gives him back the offensive genius guru type. And I think part of that reason I think that bleeds into it is, will he trust himself to rely on the foot, on the running game, or do you think that in his brain that with the talent that he has at receiver and the quarterback that he has, that Ohio State has to win this game through the air? That's a really good question. Um, I, I don't think – like I don't think he'll check his aggression in any kind of significant way, but I do think maybe he can channel it a little differently. It's another question I want to ask him. Like why? Like does aggression equate to throwing the ball? And if it does in your mind, why? Um, because I think that's an interesting thing to explore with him. I I kind of do have confidence that he's going to call a good game. I thought he called a good game last year against this team. Um, I think he had a little more time to prepare than he, than he does right now. But like let's be honest, like he's been thinking about Clemson all year. He's been thinking about Clemson since they got off the field last year. So I don't really have much of a doubt that he's going to have a good plan and, and put Justin Fields in some better spots. And I, I, I do think this, like, Clemson's secondary is pretty good. Um, Darian Kendrick's going to be a first-round corner. Um, Nolan Turner is, like, a really – he's a veteran, like, smart kind of savvy safety who gets guys – he's, like, very similar to Jordan Fuller, I think. Um, maybe a little less athletic. So they have some good players back there, and and they have young corners too who are who are on the on the up. They have not seen guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, um, at least from what I've watched. Like they didn't play North Carolina this year, um, 
the best offense I think they played is probably Notre Dame's, and Notre Dame's like we're going to run the ball and we have 19 tight ends on the field. Um, so this is going to be something different for them. So they they might have a, a matchup advantage there that maybe I'm not on board with as I should be at the moment. And if they get on the field and that's the case, then I can see Ohio State throwing the ball quite a bit. But I do think that they're going to try to establish a physicality here, run the ball, control the game, um, sort of play it on their terms, and, and, and frankly keep the ball away from Trevor Lawrence if, if they can. Um, and I think Ryan Day knows all that. So I, I, I have a little bit of faith in him, I think, based off how he called a game last year that he's going to call a good game this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that it, it's funny how everybody went from Ryan Day is the best play caller I've ever seen to what are you doing? And then that, that was the end of it. And, you know, I guess, like, as you said, you rewatch the game. Maybe he does things a little bit better uh, than you thought he did. But I do think that it's interesting that it took him an entire half to realize that he could take whatever he wanted on the ground. Yeah. And when you're playing against Clemson, if there's an opening to take something, you can't wait a half to do it. I mean, I, I think that everything has to be perfect for Ohio State to win this football game. Uh, game plan, play calling, Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, everybody. It's going to take a collective effort to win this game. And, you know – Against Northwestern, you can have the luxury of being late to the draw on something, but I don't think that that luxury exists against Clemson. Yeah, you can't you can't have dr- drives stall out because you're calling head scratchers like in the red zone, or because you're pulling trick plays out of your bag that you've never run before, um, and 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 ending drives before they begin, and then giving the ball back to Trevor Lawrence on a short field and go watch him score. Like that's that doesn't the trick plays were weird. I think you just do them so it gives Clemson, like I said before, something to think about, although I think that's like wasted energy. Um, I don't think he'll pull out a bunch of trick plays. His trick play in the Fiesta Bowl last year was a, a fake check with me, walk up and quarterback sneak it. So, like, I'm good with that trick play. That's a, that was a brilliant trick play. <laughs> let's, not, uh, let's not do the double pass with Garrett Wilson and, and Julian Fleming again or, or yeah. that weird uh, that weird play action screen, whatever it was. Not Fleming. to mention let's, that the team that you're playing is – more than fast enough to get to you, you know. Yeah, I do. the The speed element is interesting. I want. I think Ohio State might have a little more speed on offense than uh, Clemson has on defense. Um, I don't know. I don't. I'm going to say it, and it's taken it. me 40 minutes to say it, and I'm going to whisper it to you. Okay. Ohio State has better football players on their team than Clemson does. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. They've recruited at a higher level more consistently for longer. Um, Clemson develops players like I mean, you've read about that. Yeah, a lot. they develop yeah, players, of course, better, better than anybody. But and they have Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> and they have Trevor Lawrence. They, they have the best player, <laughs> but they have I the best overall, player, and their running backs legit. Yeah, I think overall Ohio State might be a little more talented, but Clemson has the best player at the most important position, and that even things out tremendously. I know, but the second place guy isn't a. It's it's not the difference between yeah, Fitzmagic yeah. and Aaron Rodgers here. I mean, right, you know, right, the, they, right. no, he's got they've got the best player in college football, and Ohio State's got the second best player in college football. Yeah, I think it's possible. I don't know if, if I'm ready to go there yet, based off how Fields has played, but I definitely yeah. see myself getting there after the game. On I just like how do you how do you reverse it? I said that I thought that Justin Fields might be the best player in college football a month ago. Now I can't I can't go back and be like he's number eight now. Yeah, no, I like I'm I mean, I'm, I said, I'm pot committed on that one. I said that uh, that Justin Fields is going to be the number one quarterback taken in the draft uh, <laughs> next spring, and I'm going to be wrong on that. He might be the third quarterback taken in the draft. Um, so we'll see about that. Okay, uh, I had my last question here. It was about Trevor Lawrence, and uh, him running the ball scares me a little bit. If I'm Ohio State, because they've just not seen much of that um, in the last few weeks, 
at least I don't, oh I guess I guess I shouldn't say that they've seen it but not from a guy like this um so how do they my question is like how do they contend with it like what what personnel groupings do they use what kind of scheme do they use did they use more too high safeties like they tried to do last year to disastrous results in some cases like how much of an emphasis do you think stopping Trevor Lawrence running the ball is for Ohio State in this game you're trying to bring up nightmares from last year he's a really good runner how far was that touchdown run last year was that like 65 yards I think so yeah I think that's right yeah, I mean, I don't know if you think about him as a dual threat, but he's clearly good enough to beat you with his legs. He beat Ohio State with his legs last year. Um, he ran all over Notre Dame in the in the ACC championship too. Like it's it's the thing. It's a it's another thing I want to ask about. It's like a fascinating dynamic in this game. Tony Elliott and and Dabo Swinney have absolutely no problem whatsoever unleashing Justin or Trevor Lawrence's legs when it comes time to win a championship. And I think Ohio State and it's a very small sample size, has been a little hesitant to do that with Justin Fields. And Justin was hurt last year, too, so that matters. It's the last game of the year, Bill. You can't hold anything back now. I heard Dan Fouts (laughs) said that one time. Um, But it's like he's – it's not – Trevor Lawrence can scramble. I think he probably scrambles the throw a little more than he scrambles to to run. But they have, like, a lot of designed quarterback run game in their offense. I think they have more designed quarterback run game in their offense than Ohio State does right now which is kind of crazy when you think about the skill sets of, of both these guys. And I don't know, like Travis Etienne is great, but he's been more of a receiver this year than he has been like a consistent running threat. Like the consistent running threat from what I've seen has been much more Trevor Lawrence than it has been Travis Etienne, which is, it's kind of that a weird blows thing. my mind. Um, and I don't know one. I don't know if Baron Browning is going to play in this game. And if he doesn't, I think that's a big loss, even though Justin Hilliard played well um, against Northwestern. And two, it's like, are they going to play – like Josh Proctor, I think, is a free safety. Are they going to play two safeties? And if they do play two safeties, who's the other safety? Are you going to put Marcus Hooker out there who struggled with this very thing we're talking about? Or are you going to put Ronnie Hickman or Lathan Ransom out there who have, like, not played very much but have looked good when they have? Like, I, I would put one of those young guys out there, but if they're going to put Proctor and Hooker out there, I don't, I'm a little scared about Landis, what Trevor Lawrence might do in the run game. My next question is – are you ready? Ready. Because it's like funny because you, you, you said on two different occasions there, um, or the two separate things of can they hold Trevor Lawrence to um, X amount of yards or can they stop him from being a threat? And then also, is their secondary going to be able to stop anybody? And yeah. like Clemson's offense, I don't know, would you say it's better or worse than last year's? Um, they don't have the receiver talent that they had last year, right. for sure, right? So I think yeah. that that kind of makes you feel a little bit better, but... Travis Etienne's a monster. But anyway, my question is, can Ohio State hold Clemson to less than 31 points? Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, I think they can. I think they, uh, yeah, I think they could. Because I think they can win the game if they... I think that is my magic number. I think it's a really good magic number. I think. I think the game is... I, I don't know how you define a shootout, but I think this game is like played in the 30s, um, and that to me to me is not really a shootout, but it's approaching it. But I think 30 not in 2020. <clears throat> yeah, not 2021. Yeah. Huh? 20. Yeah, all right. It's 2021. Can't wait. Um, I think 31 is a really good number. I do. I do think they can hold them to 31. The over under um, 66. And yeah. A half. Clemson is not – they're not as good at receiver as they were last year. They have four new offensive line starters. That they're Travis Etienne is great. I think Travis Etienne is probably the best running back in the country, or maybe it's Najee Harris. Um, but the running attack to this point has not been something that's been like consistent, and I think that's more about the line than it is about Etienne. So it's like if you can keep Lawrence boxed in as a runner and – I think like you want to play soft coverage and rally and tackle and then wall up in the red zone. It's like, like what Northwestern was doing. Um, then I think that's a recipe to hold Clemson under 31. Last year they did it, but it was like they were just in Trevor Lawrence's face a lot and made him uncomfortable and hit him really hard every time they got the opportunity. I don't know if this defense is built similarly to, to do that same thing, but I do think they can like try to put an umbrella over all this and then just try to wall up on the red zone with a pretty good defensive line. Um, so, I think it's possible. I think it's really hard, but yeah, I think it's possible they can hold to thirty-one. Yeah, I mean that's what would that game have to look like? Uh, slow start for Clemson, maybe a few touchdowns in the middle quarters, uh, and then you know you're both in the twenties in the in the beginning of the fourth quarter, and then you just got to do your best to outlast them to thirty-two or thirty-three. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I if think Ohio it's State wins the game, too. I think it's like thirty-five, thirty-one, and that puts you right on the number. Yeah. I think it's about limiting possessions if you can too, and that goes back to running the ball. Um, it's funny. I was watching the Virginia Tech game, and Virginia, like I don't think Ohio State would, will do this, but it would. It, I thought it was kind of effective. Um, Virginia Tech was huddling on every play and like not breaking the huddle until there was like ten seconds left on the play clock, and then going up to the line and snapping it immediately. So like giving Brent Venables no like major personnel keys, no alignment keys just like huddling up last minute snap the ball let's go and they move the ball fairly well for a little bit but they're just not not talented enough to do it consistently um i wonder like on one hand i think ohio state should play tempo 
But on the other hand, I wonder, like, if they do that, like, really, like, take the air out of the game and just play super slow, if they can do something like that, too, and keep the ball away from Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, the number one game plan, I guess, for Ohio State would be to leave as little time for Trevor Lawrence to operate as possible. But on the other hand, too, it's just like, they're not Illinois. <laughs> yeah, know? no, they can score in two plays, yeah. They can score, too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you you – you know, it's like funny because it's like that keep away in college basketball that Northwestern always does, right? Where they, yeah. you know, toss the ball around the perimeter for 30 seconds and then try to score with seven seconds left on the shot clock over and over again to limit possessions. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I just like, I think there's some personnel just issues that Ohio State has in the secondary. I think the less Trevor Lawrence has the ball, the better. But I also don't think that Ohio State can play the game like that. That's not who they are. And I think like changing who you are is a, is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, my two biggest questions for Ohio State defensively, like believe it or not, are actually not like really secondary coverage based. It's it's trying to box in Trevor Lawrence running the ball and how you handle Travis Etienne as a receiver because Etienne has, I think, the second or third most receiving yards in the country for a running back. Like he he's their third leading receiver this year. He's got like forty four receptions, um, and when he gets in space, he's an animal. And if there's no Brown Browning, I think that becomes more difficult. It puts a lot on Pete Werner, who I think might draw ETN and man coverage quite a bit. Um, so those are the two things for me. It's not so – like uh, Clemson's receivers are, are still good, even though they're a little shorthanded, and they might get a couple guys back if Joe and Goddard or Frank Ladson play. But I think it's much more about Lawrence running the ball and ETN as a receiver and how Ohio State handles both those things. Yep. Um, so I, I'm, I, we hit on all of my questions. Do you have any other questions out I've there? I've got like six up? more questions that I yeah. can just come up with. Let me ask yeah. you this, and I guess we can just kind of do a speed round if you want. Does revenge factor, Dabo blabbing his mouth, um, all the other things that are happening play any impact on this game to you? Yeah, a little bit. Like on the, um, I mean, it's added motivation for Ohio State, I guess, to want to want to shut them up. Like I don't, I don't think Ohio State had plenty of motivation before that. I think it makes the game fun. Like I, I like it. Um, I think we could all stand to be a little less serious about <laughs> covering college football, um, and and Dabo seems to be doing that, um, even though he's being a little contradictory when he does it. Um, so I think it gives Ohio State a little bit more of an edge. I don't know if it's the it's it's the more of an edge that's going to mean the difference between a win and a loss, but I think it matters a little bit. Depending on who Ohio State gets back, will they be able to manage uh, blitzes on the offensive line? Yeah, they handled it pretty well last year. Um, all their guys are back. I mean, unless they lose somebody between now and the game, which I guess is possible. But all the guys are back against Northwestern. If they're all back um, for Friday, I think they're okay. Um, and they like given given what Brent Venables does, I thought I thought that group held up pretty well last year, and I think they're a little better this year than they were last year. Yep. Is Mayon Williams going to play a lot if if? Uh... Um, if Master T can't, can't go. go, no, a lot. No, I think he might get a touch or two. Like if Trey Sermon busts a long one and then like needs to take a two play breather, I think he might see Mayan Williams. Um, it is interesting to me that Mayan Williams was the guy who got on the field like before Steel Chambers did. So like I think he's moved up the depth chart uh, against Northwestern. But no, I think if Master T can't go, Trey Sermon's getting like t- between twenty five and thirty carries. Is Ohio State's pass rush good enough to stop Clemson's offense from getting into a groove? I don't know. It's like uh, they're they're they generate pressure well, but they don't get home enough. And and Trevor Lawrence, I don't think, is the kind of guy that's going to be phased just by having someone in his face. I think you need to hit him. 
Um, and they hit him a lot last year, and I think it mattered. If they're not going to hit him, then then I, I think I'd answer no to that question. Okay, and the last one. Do you think that Ohio State could press because of the revenge factor, because of the desire to want to win a, uh, this football game with this team, um, all the trash talking beforehand, and then, of course, um, just Ryan Day's competitiveness to finally legitimize himself as a legit top five coach because you need to win a game like this to do it. Like, is there pressing and play calling? Is and I know that you mentioned this with Justin Fields in the Heisman race. Is there pressing to, you know, to beat Trevor Lawrence if you're head to head? Like, there's a lot of reasons I think Ohio State could press in this game. Uh, I think they're not going to press. I think getting here after after how weird this season was was like a major like exhale and now they're here and i th- no I, I mean i get they could press but i don't, I don't think they're going to because i think there's just a lot of reasons why you could see them doing it which i think is yeah. concerning if you're an ohio state fan sure sure i think you could say the same about clemson like clemson's clemson's got to get back to the national title game they lost to lsu last year um like their motivations are different but it's like trevor lawrence's last game it's like you're gonna on some levels like you're only gonna win one national title with that guy um so I, I think there's there's stuff there on Clemson's side as well. There's more on Ohio State's side. but If I would have told you in January of 2015 when Ohio State was on their run on the way to beating Oregon that they would not win another playoff game until 2021, would you have been like, you're crazy? Yeah. I think it's crazy that it's gone with the way that this team is built – with the players on this team, the coaching staff, even the coaching change, everything that's gone on here, that they haven't won a game in the playoffs since then blows my mind. It's pretty wild. And like they're in a, in a pretty big danger scenario to have to go another year without it and to start over again. And, you know, I know that this comes in waves with recruiting classes and the 2017-18 wave is kind of on the back end now. And then you're getting the, the other wave of the 2021 and the 2020 classes are brewing up. So, like, I understand it's, it ebbs and flows a little bit, but – I think Ohio State is in a position where as the number three team in the country, I would say, uh, from a positioning standpoint, in a unique scenario, to have to legitimize itself. And, like, you can go every single year. I already feel like they're the most underachieving program in college football. doesn't mean they're not a great program, but what they've had and what the results were don't match. And I think if you go another year, that might put you in a position to to maybe go another two years because I don't know if I would pick Ohio State to win a playoff game with C.J. Stroud as their quarterback. Maybe they could do it. Not saying they can't. But as you try to like – and I know this is an impossible game to play. We've had millions of podcasts of what is 2029 going to look like. And yeah. that's fun. And stuff happens, and then the team is completely different in two months. Nobody knew that Justin Fields was going to be on the team until, you know, an hour before he showed up. Stuff changes. But I don't know. Like, this is a pretty important window for Ohio State. Yeah, there's a <clears> – <throat> There's there is narrative associated with this game for sure, um, and it's not just getting revenge on Clemson. It's like you're standing in the sport because it is it is it is rather crazy that considering where they were in 14, everyone that came back in 15, and here we are, was it five years later, six years later, um, and they have not won a playoff game since they won the national title. And one of those losses was a 31 nothing route. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, they've only they played what? How many? They played twice since then. They've played right? two, yeah. yeah. They played Clemson twice, got shut out. And, like, they played. And they should have won. They played well. They played year. well last year. They, yeah. they should have won the game last year, and they didn't They didn't win it. So it's not like they've been run off the field and look like they haven't belonged. But, um, like, Oklahoma is a little bit of a joke, right, in the, in the playoff conversation because everyone just assumes they're going to get there and get their ass kicked. It's like. 
Ohio State, I don't think, is is there. But if you go again and you lose again in the semifinals, especially if it's not competitive, I think you start trending toward a similar direction, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think part of the reason why people viewed Clemson as a – I mean, uh, Oklahoma as a joke, quote-unquote, is because they get their butts kicked most of the time. And, like, Ohio State last year probably earned everybody's respect in terms of belonging. It just was a bad break for them. But, like, seven-and-a-half-point underdog is a pretty large underdog. Yeah. For a game it's like not, this. It's not 20 points, but it's uh... – Yeah, it's not 20, but it's it's not it's not great, Bob. I mean – It's not great after last and, year. And we'll was, get to our picks later on in the week. But, you know, I think that it's crazy. I think Ohio State has a chance and could win this football game. I think it's crazy how nobody thinks it's possible. I think part of that. I think part of that's a misread, and we can talk about that later when we give our picks. I think part of it's a misread. People aren't sure what to make of Ohio State. Like no one, people might think they have fully formed views of Ohio State. They don't. Um, but I think that's influencing like the general tenor around what the outcome of this game is going to be. Yeah, we know much more about what Clemson is, and we don't really know much at all about what Ohio State is. Yeah. Um, which maybe maybe we'll. we'll Midnight or whatever it is, two o'clock in the morning next Saturday, um, we'll have a pretty clear picture, I think. But and it could, I mean, it could go the way that that people think it's going to go, and Ohio State doesn't doesn't look up to the task. But yeah, um, it's not going to surprise me if it's the other way because I think Ohio State's really good. Okay, thanks again for listening to the Big Football Show. Appreciate you guys uh, being flexible with us, offering you a little something different. As uh, you know, it's a weird time of year. People people's seasons they cover are over, so you know. They're entitled to a vacation, and we have to we have to adjust on the fly. So we hope that was interesting playoff discussion uh, for anybody who hadn't heard it already. Uh, Ohio State, as I said, plays January first in the Sugar Bowl, Indiana, January second in the Outback Bowl. We'll be back at some point to discuss those. Certainly, you can keep it tuned in to four to six with A and B uh, to to get a full breakdown of whatever happens in New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl. But we'll be back with offseason Big Ten discussion as well. What Indiana's bowl game performance means for that program moving forward. There's a lot to discuss. Um, in the Big Ten, especially in the East Division. So, so Audrey and I will be back at some point to talk about that. But until then, enjoy the bowl games, enjoy the playoff, and we'll talk to you guys next time.